He gives you your pay. They stepped out into the tiny rooftop field of the New York office building. Rethrick led him over to an elevator. As the doors slid shut, Jennings got a mental shock. This was the last thing he remembered. This elevator. After that, he had blacked out. Kelly will be glad to see you, Rethrick said as they came out into a lighted hall. She asks about you once in a while. Why? She says you're good-looking. Rethrick pushed a code key against the door. The door responded, swinging wide. They entered the luxurious office of Rethrick Construction. Behind a long mahogany desk, a young woman was sitting, studying a report. Kelly, Rethrick said. Look whose time finally expired. The girl looked up, smiling. Hello, Mr. Jennings. How does it feel to be back in the world? Fine, Jennings walked over to her. Rethrick says you're the paymaster. Rethrick clapped Jennings on the back. So long, my friend. I'll go back to the plant. If you ever need a lot of money in a hurry, come round and we'll work out another contract with you. Jennings nodded. As Rethrick went back out, he sat down beside the desk, crossing his legs. Kelly slid a drawer open, moving her chair back. All right. Your time is up, so Rethrick Construction is ready to pay. Do you have your copy of the contract? Jennings took an envelope from his pocket and tossed it on the desk. There it is. Kelly removed a small cloth sack and some sheets of handwritten paper from the desk drawer. For time, she read over the sheets, her small face intent. What is it? I think you're going to be surprised, Kelly handed him his contract back. Read that over again. Why? Jennings unfastened the envelope. There's an alternate clause. If the party of the second part so desires... At any time during his time of contract to the aforesaid Rethrick Construction Company, if he so desires, instead of the monetary sum specified, he may choose instead, according to his own wish, articles or products which, in his own opinion, are of sufficient value to stand in lieu of the sum. Jennings snatched up the cloth sack, pulling it open. He poured the contents into his palm. Kelly watched him. Where's Rethrick? Jennings stood up. If he has an idea that this... Rethrick has nothing to do with it. It was your own request. Here, look at this. Kelly passed him the sheets of paper. In your own hand. Read them. It was your idea, not ours. Honest. She smiled up at him. This happens every once in a while with people we take on contract. During their time, they decide to take something else instead of money. Why, I don't know. But they come out with their minds clean, having agreed... Jennings scanned the pages. It was his own writing. There was no doubt about it. His hand shook. I can't believe it. Even if it is my own writing. He folded up the paper, his jaw set. Something was done to me while I was back there. I never would have agreed to this. Oh, you must have had a reason. I admit it doesn't make sense. But you don't know what factors may have persuaded you before your mind was cleaned. You aren't the first. There have been several others before you. Jennings stared down at what he held in his palm. From the cloth sack, he had spilled a little assortment of items. A code key, a ticket stub, a parcel receipt, a length of fine wire, half a poker chip, broken across, green strip of cloth, a bus token. This instead of 50,000 credits, he murmured? Two years? He went out of the building, onto the busy afternoon street. He was still dazed, dazed and confused. 
Had he been swindled? He felt in his pocket for the little trinkets, the wire, the ticket stub, all the rest. That? For two years' work? But he had seen his own handwriting, the statement of waiver, the request for the substitution. Like Jack and the Beanstalk. Why? What for? What had made him do it? He turned, starting down the sidewalk. At the corner, he stopped for a surface cruiser that was turning. All right, Jennings, get in. His head jerked up. The door of the cruiser was open. A man was kneeling, pointing a heat rifle straight at his face. A man in blue-green, the security police. Jennings got in. The door closed, magnetic locks slipping into place behind him, like a vault. The cruiser glided off down the street. Jennings sat back against the seat. Beside him, the SP man lowered his gun. On the other side, a second officer ran his hands expertly over him, searching for weapons. He brought out Jennings' wallet and the handful of trinkets, the envelope and contract. What does he have? the driver said. Wallet, money, contract with Rethrick Construction, no weapons. He gave Jennings back his things. What's this all about? Jennings said. We want to ask you a few questions, that's all. You've been working for Rethrick? Yes. Two years? Almost two years. At the plant? Jennings nodded. I suppose so. The officer leaned toward him. Where is that plant, Mr. Jennings? Where is it located? I don't know. The two officers looked at each other. The first one moistened his lips, his face sharp and alert. You don't know? The next question. The last. In those two years, what kind of work did you do? What was your job? Mechanic. I repaired electronic machinery. What kind of electronic machinery? I don't know, Jennings looked up at him. He couldn't help smiling, his lips twisting ironically. I'm sorry, but I don't know. It's the truth. There was silence. What do you mean you don't know? You mean you worked on machinery for two years without knowing what it was? Without even knowing where you were? Jennings roused himself. What is all this? What did you pick me up for? I haven't done anything. I've been... We know. We're not arresting you. We only want to get information for our records about rhetoric construction. You've been working for them in their plant, in an important capacity. You're an electronic mechanic? Yes. You repair high-quality computers and allied equipment? The officer consulted his notebook. You're considered one of the best in the country, according to this. Jennings said nothing. Tell us the two things we want to know, and you'll be released at once. Where's Rethrick's plant? What kind of work are they doing? You serviced their machines for them, didn't you? Isn't that right? For two years? I don't know. I suppose so. I don't have any idea what I did during those two years. You can believe me or not. Jennings stared wearily down at the floor. What'll we do? The driver said finally. We have no instructions past this. Take him to the station. We can't do any more questioning here. Beyond the cruiser, men and women hurried along the sidewalk. The streets were choked with cruisers, workers going to their homes in the country. Jennings, why don't you answer us? What's the matter with you? There's no reason why you can't tell us a couple of simple things like that. Don't you want to cooperate with your government? Why should you conceal information from us? I'd tell you if I knew. The officer grunted. No one spoke. Presently, the cruiser drew up before a great stone building. The driver turned the motor off, removing the control cap and putting it in his pocket. He touched the door with a code key, releasing the magnetic lock. What should we do, take him in? Actually, we don't... Wait, 
the driver stepped out. The other two went with him, closing and locking the doors behind them. They stood on the pavement before the security station, talking. Jennings sat silently, staring down at the floor. The SP wanted to know about rhetoric construction. Well, there was nothing he could tell them. They had come to the wrong person. But how could he prove that? The whole thing was impossible. Two years wiped clean from his mind. Who would believe him? It seemed unbelievable to him, too. His mind wandered, back to when he had first read the ad. It had hit home, hit him direct, mechanic wanted, and a general outline of the work, vague, indirect, but enough to tell him that it was right up his line. And the pay! Interviews at the office, tests, forms. And then the gradual realization that rhetoric construction was finding all about him, while he knew nothing about them. What kind of work did they do? Construction, but what kind? What sort of machines did they have? Fifty thousand credits for two years. And he'd come out with his mind washed clean. Two years and he remembered nothing. It took him a long time to agree to that part of the contract, but he had agreed. Jennings looked out the window. The three officers were still talking on the sidewalk, trying to decide what to do with him. He was in a tough spot. They wanted information he couldn't give, information he didn't know. But how could he prove it? How could he prove that he had worked two years and come out knowing no more than when he had gone in? The SP would work him over. It would be a long time before they'd believe him. And by that time... He glanced around quickly. Was there any escape? In a second they'd be back. He touched the door. Locked. The triple ring magnetic locks. He had worked on magnetic locks many times. He'd even designed part of a trigger core. There was no way to open the doors without the right code key. No way, unless by some chance, he could short out the lock. But with what? He felt in his pockets. What could he use? If he could short the locks, blow them out, there was a faint chance. Outside, men and women were swarming by on their way home from work. It was past five. The great office buildings were shutting down. The streets were alive with traffic. If he once got out, they wouldn't dare fire. If he could get out. The three officers separated. One went up the steps into the station building. In a second, the others would re-enter the cruiser. Jennings dug into his pocket, bringing out the code key, the ticket stub, the wire. The wire! Thin wire. Thin as a human hair. Was it insulated? He unwound it quickly. No. He knelt down, running his fingers expertly across the surface of the door. At the edge of the lock was a thin line, a groove between the lock and the door. He brought the end of the wire up to it, delicately maneuvering the wire into the almost invisible space. The wire disappeared an inch or so. Sweat rolled down Jennings' forehead. He moved the wire a fraction of an inch, twisting it. He held his breath. The relay should be... A flash. Half-blinded, he threw his weight against the door. The door fell open. The lock fused and smoking. Jennings tumbled into the street and leaped to his feet. Cruisers were all around him, honking and sweeping past. He ducked behind a lumbering truck, entering the middle lane of traffic. On the sidewalk, he caught a momentary glimpse of the SP men starting after him. A bus came along, swaying from side to side, loaded with shoppers and workers. Jennings caught hold of the back rail, pulling himself up onto the platform. Astonished faces loomed up.
pale moons thrust suddenly at him. The robot conductor was coming toward him, whirring angrily. Sir, the conductor began. The bus was slowing down. Sir, it is not allowed. It's all right, Jennings said. He was filled all at once with a strange elation. A moment ago he had been trapped with no way to escape. Two years of his life had been lost for nothing. The security police had arrested him, demanding information he couldn't give. A hopeless situation, but now things were beginning to click in his mind. He reached into his pocket and brought out the bus token. He put it calmly into the conductor's coin slot. Okay, he said. Under his feet, the bus wavered, the driver hesitating. Then the bus resumed pace, going on. The conductor turned away, its words subsiding. Everything was all right. Jennings smiled. He eased past the standing people, looking for a seat, some place to sit down where he could think. He had plenty to think about. His mind was racing. The bus moved on, flowing with the restless stream of urban traffic. Jennings only half saw the people sitting around him. There was no doubt of it. He had not been swindled. It was on the level. The decision had actually been his. Amazingly, after two years of work, he had preferred a handful of trinkets instead of 50,000 credits. But more amazingly, the handful of trinkets were turning out to be worth more than the money. With a piece of wire and a bus token, he had escaped from the security police. That was worth plenty. Money would have been useless to him once he had disappeared inside the Great Stone Station. Even 50,000 credits wouldn't have helped him. And there were five trinkets left. He felt around in his pocket. Five more things. He had used two. The others. What were they for? Something as important? But the big puzzle. How had he, his earlier self, known that a piece of wire and a bus token would save his life? He had known, all right. Known in advance, but how? And the other five? Probably they were just as precious, or would be. The he of those two years he had known things that he did not know now, things that had been washed away when the company cleaned his mind, like an adding machine which had been cleared. Everything was slate clean. What he had known was gone now. Gone except for seven trinkets, five of which were still in his pocket. But the real problem right now was not a problem of speculation. It was very concrete. The security police were looking for him. They had his name and description. There was no use thinking of going to his apartment, if he even still had an apartment. But where?